Well, good morning, one and all. It was fun to greet many of you as you arrived and uh, say hello, good morning, and it's uh, good to be back amongst you. I think I'd rather be playing golf later this afternoon, but that's not going to happen. But uh, it's certainly good to be in worship with you all. Um, Our scripture this morning comes from Matthew chapter 20, uh, verses 1 to 13. Uh, And it's a familiar parable, I think, to to many of us. Um, But it's one that I think also raises some questions, at least for me, as I read it and try to ponder it. So may the Holy Spirit guide us as we hear this word and lead us into His understanding. Amen. Got to get my cheaters on. This is new. Okay. Let's hear the word of God. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius, a single silver coin, and sent them out into his vineyard. About the third hour, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. And he told them, you also go and work in the vineyard, and I'll pay you whatever is right. That's kind of an important phrase. I'll pay you what's right. So they went. To, he went out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same thing. About the eleventh hour, he went out and found still others standing around, and he asked them, Why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? They responded, because no one hired us. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. So the workers who were hired about the eleventh hour came and each received a denarius. And so when they came to those who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. And when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work in the heat of the day. But he answered them, friend, Am I not being, I am not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to us this morning. I lived uh, 10 carefree years um, until I learned that toxic truth that life is not fair. (laughs) Life is not fair. And the big awakening for me was this. As a kid, I used to chew my fingernails. Anybody chew your fingernails now and then? Yeah. So I'd chew them right down to the nub, you know? And mom and dad said, well, we have an incentive to help you. Uh, If you stop chewing your fingernails, we'll buy you a BB gun. 
My brother Dean, almost five years younger, got the same thing. He chewed them way down. And so it was a it kind of a brothers help each other not to chew your fingernails, and we'll give you an incentive. And I mustered every ounce of my 10-year-old spirit, and I was able to stop chewing my fingernails. And they grew out, they became beautiful, and I was so happy with myself, and I got my BB gun, and I was elated. Until they gave one to my brother Dean as well, and he didn't stop chewing his fingernails. (laughs) For decades, it looked like his fingers got caught in a lawnmower, you know, Infected cuticles, little nubs where they're supposed to be fingernails, nothing. But he got a BB gun, as did I. And that's when the truth hit home for me. Life is not fair. Will you say that with me? Life is not fair. Now, I think intellectually we understand that, right? I mean, cognitively we've been to places where it just didn't seem right, and you kind of... But, but it doesn't bother you until it hits you somehow personally, too close for comfort. Like, you've worked at the company for 12 years, new guy gets hired six months ago, time for someone to get a promotion, and the new guy gets the promotion ahead of you, and you're equally qualified, and you just want to scream, it's not fair. Or like when you pull into the grocery store looking for a place to park kind of close, and then the 30-year-old jumps out of his car, parks right under the no parking sign on the yellow curb, sprints into the grocery store for a, probably a pack of cigarettes, right? All those 30-year-olds. And we elderly folks are parked a block and a half away, and you want to just grab that guy, throttle him, and say, hey, life is not fair. Or when you go to a church potluck and you see this skinny little nothing having their third plate full of food, so skinny, they have to run around in the shower to get wet. And you, you look at food and you put on weight. You just want to cry. It's not fair. Or... You've been at work at the company for years and years and years, and all of a sudden, because of economic downturns, they reduce your pension by 30%, but the new CEO gets a $100,000 raise, and you want to cry. It's, it's just not fair. Or your spouse is unfaithful to you and takes you to the cleaners, and you are left with the bill and the broken heart, and you want just to weep into your tears and say, it's not fair. Life is not fair. So I think it's on one level we understand that cognitively, but it's until some of those life stories hit us, then we have that sense that truly life is not fair. So how do we cope with that? What do you do when you run into a situation where it just feels like you got the short end of the stick? To me, this parable helps us to address exactly that, although it leaves us with some other questions as well. So let's take a look at the parable this morning and see if we can shed some light on this issue. The parable begins by saying, uh, the landowner went to hire workers. Now, 
the landowner, theologians, who might that be? Who might that represent? The one who owns. How about God? Right? Right? God? God owns everything. So the landowner goes out into the vineyard. He goes to the marketplace to hire people. Now the marketplace I would see as the world. God is addressing the world. And some of those uh, in the world, he hires to be in his vineyard. Now what might the vineyard represent? Inside God's church, inside God's kingdom. So I think broadly, the, um, the vineyard would be seen as the kingdom of God. God invites people to come and work for his kingdom. Uh, maybe more narrowly, the church. We're called to roll up our sleeves with our brothers and sisters and to use our unique gifts uh, and to uh, build up the kingdom of God. So the landowner goes into the marketplace and he hires a group of people at 6 a.m. in the morning and he promises to pay them one denarius, one silver coin, one day's wage. And I imagine those people are ecstatic. Um, many laborers, if you, don't, if you don't have a job, you don't get money. Without money, you can't buy food for your family. So these people were probably so grateful to be hired early in the morning, and he promises to pay them an equal day's wage. That was the common laborer's pay. Um, and so they go, and they're eager to get to work, and they head out. They know that night they will have food on the table for their family. Equal pay for equal work. And then the story unfolds, and later the landowner goes back into the vineyard several times at uh, three, the third hour, which would be 9 a.m., the sixth hour, which would be 12 noon, the ninth hour, three in the afternoon, and finally the eleventh hour, five o'clock. And he doesn't specify what he's going to pay them. He says, I'll pay you what's right. You go work for me, I'll make it right. Now, I think there's an implied desperation here. We see people still waiting around to be hired at 11 o'clock at night. At 11 o'clock, 11th hour, 5 o'clock at night. So, um, they, they want to work. I don't think they were lazy, idlers, just kind of waiting around for a free, free lunch program. That's not what we get here. They were desperate to work because they were willing to stay there clear until late in the afternoon, hoping someone would hire them, and they did get hired. Uh, and, and I think these people hired at various times of the day might represent people who come to Christ in a relationship with Christ at different stages in their life, some in, in, in youth. How many of you, when you were young, came to, to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And some maybe in high school, early adulthood, middle adult, late adulthood. So it doesn't matter when you come to faith, you're all going to get the same reward. Pretty cool. We get to go to heaven. We get to be with God for eternity. Okay. Now up until this point, the parable is pretty predictable. Uh, 2,000 years ago in Palestine, a lot of grape vineyards, and 
the, the landowner, the vineyard owner, would go out into the marketplace and hire people all hours of the day, and especially in September when the grapes were coming uh, to fruition. They want to get those grapes off the vine quickly. It gets too hot, they'll spoil. Huge rainstorm, they could fall off. So he hires extra workers, and it's pretty uh, understandable at the beginning of this parable. But then the parable gets interesting. He says to his foreman, call the workers, in verse 8, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going to the first. So those that were hired at 5 p.m. in the afternoon uh, hold out their hands, and to their astonishment, they get paid a full denarius, a full's day's wage, and they are ecstatic. Now, if you were one of the early guys hired, what are you thinking? I might get 12 denarius, 12 denarii, 12 silver coins, because I worked 12 hours, 12 times as long as those guys. And so they hold out their hands, and what do they get? A single denarius. And they get pretty hacked off, and they say, hey, this is not fair. It's just not, what do they say? It's just not fair. That was lame. It's just not fair. Thank you, Jenny. But listen to the words of the landowner in verse 13. Friends, I'm not being unfair to you. Didn't, I agree, didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? I, my, I, get, I get caught on that question. Are you envious because I'm generous? And I think sometimes we do get upset when we see the generosity of God. How about another parable, very familiar, the parable of the prodigal son? Okay, the snot-nosed brat gets his pay, and he goes out to the far country, on wine, spends it on wine, women, and song, loses all his money, comes crawling back to his daddy, and dad sees him when he's a long way off, and dad uh, kills the fatted calf, throws this huge feast. Now, meanwhile, you're the older brother. I, I, I am the older brother. And... And you see what's happening, and you say, that's not fair. I've stayed home every week. I, I work. I've never left the farm. Uh, Dad's never even killed a fatted duck for me. And, he, and here he's killing the fatted calf for the, the, the kid who wasted all his dad's money on parties and prostitutes. It says that. That's what the guy, the older brother thought. And uh, it's just not fair. It's just, so I get this sense that it's not fair. The older brother was envious because his father was generous. Now, did that younger brother earn what he was given? Did he deserve what he was given, the younger brother? No way. It's, it's just not fair. But here's a single theological truth I want to pound into our heads and hearts. The grace of God is not fair. You ever think about that? The grace of God is not fair. 
And to that I will say hallelujah, because if grace was, was fair, then I wouldn't be making it to heaven. Uh, because we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. So I am so excited to learn that grace is not fair. God's grace is not... He, he, it's a lavish gift that we don't deserve. We can't earn. I can never be good enough to work for heaven. I can't work enough hours. It's a free gift of grace. And that's not fair. Praise God, it's not fair. Okay, what are we going to do with this parable? What does it say to you? What, what, I mean, how do we understand this? I, you know, I, I love to go through Scripture and then say, so what? Now what? What are you going to do with it? We're not here just to hear a, a, a wise and eloquent preacher. Um, I, I, three, three points kind of hit me, and I want to check that out with you and see if maybe one of those speak to you. First, I need to acknowledge that life is not fair. For a, for a lot of years, I assumed things should be fair, both in the kingdom of God and certainly in the rule of earth. We have laws and we have justice and equity, and, but life is not fair. I have to, I have to realize that. Look first at a global scale. What do you see happening? I see the big bully named Russia picking on a much smaller entity, nation, Ukraine, and just beating the snot out of them. I watch the television reports and I, I, get, I get upset because if you read about history, it's just the same thing over and over and over again. You watch... Um, I, we've been doing some stuff on ancestry, and I have a lot of German blood in me, and I know those Germans haven't always been the best folks historically. Um, and so I get upset when I see on a global scale the senselessness of this, destroying entire cities, and countless lives are lost. And I get the point that on this earth, life is not fair because might makes right, and right is often wrong. No, actually, might makes right, and that is often wrong. Not that the right is wrong. Might makes right, and that is wrong. You say that out on an interpersonal level as well. The bully rules on the playground. Men too often take advantage of women, both in the boardroom and in the bedroom. Uh, and we know that that same bully mentality prevails time and time again. We see um, innocent little children being preyed upon by toxic adults. Might makes right, and that's wrong. The strong abuse the weak. So the first thing that I need to do when I read this parable and try to grapple with what's God saying to me is to acknowledge that life is not fair. Amen? Amen? Now, if we just leave it at that, it's pretty depressing. Let's go home. Life isn't fair. So let's move on to a second thought, a second point to ponder. Um, when we see an injustice, resolve to do something. When you see a wrong, resolve to make it right. That's what we're called to do as Christians, isn't it? You ever read this book, what it talks about in here? Justice and equality. 
the Old Testament again and again and again, the New Testament, um, when we see an injustice, do what you can to make it right. Work for equality for all. Now, sometimes when you do something, it'll have dire consequences, sometimes must, must, much less severe. I think about Rosa Parks, that name ring a bell? Montgomery, Alabama, 1955. I remember it well. <laughs> Angie didn't get it, though. She was <laughs> Uh, 1955, and um, she was on a bus in a, uh, Montgomery, Alabama, and by law, a black person seated must stand and give their seats away if white people come and need a place to sit. She was seated, white people entered the bus, she did nothing. She sat there. She was arrested, she was fined, but that was about it. And she helped to change what was wrong. She stood up for what was right. No, she sat down for what was right, but, but she did what was right. Sometimes doing what's right is a lot more costly. I think of the uh, Dr. Pete Reed who was killed in eastern Ukraine this year. Pete was serving with global outreach doctors as a humanitarian medic and he was going from crisis to crisis to crisis trying to help these people that are blown up and shot up and on the way in an ambulance uh, incoming Russian fire hit the ambulance blew up the ambulance and he died instantly. He was there in Ukraine trying to do something that was right to rectify the wrong. He put his life on the line in order to help others. So I think this parable doesn't directly say that, but that's a takeaway that I have from it. Uh, do what you can when you see a wrong. Try to right the injustice. When you see an injustice, try to make it right. And third, the good news is one day God will make it right. One day, God will have his way. I don't think we're going to see it in my lifetime. We might. Jesus comes back again. But one day, uh, the right, the wrong will be made right. One day, uh, Jesus will come again. One day, the God's uh, light will dispel all of the darkness. One day, injustice will be gone. Uh, right and, and equity and, and justice will be had in this world. Amen? He is the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And I take great comfort in knowing that one day, God will make it right. And I just ask you to kind of close your eyes for 30 seconds and think about what do I want to take away from this so that we've spent some time in this powerful parable what is God saying to me? Maybe he's saying to you, you're, you're fighting too many battles. You're, you're trying too hard. Just relax and let me be God. Or maybe he's saying just the opposite. It's time to roll up your sleeves and to really work for justice. Complacency has no more. Let's get out there and do what God's calling us to do. Or maybe 
the good news for you is just the, the reality that one day God will make it right. Let's bow in about half a minute of, of silence. Just ask God to speak to our hearts. Our Lord Jesus, we thank you for your words, this parable that uh, helps us to make sense sometimes of the injustice in our world, brings up questions about what do we do with injustice, but Lord, we, we thank you that you are Lord of all, and we pray that you will use this parable today to instruct each of us on what you would have us be and do to build up your kingdom, the kingdom of God. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen.